Welcome to the Feng Shui Way with Catherine Dean. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how Feng Shui can help you lead a more balanced and peaceful life. Now, here is Catherine. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Dean, streaming live from beautiful Rochester, New York. Today is such a typical fall day in Western New York. We've had some rain, we've had some sun, the leaves are turning. And it is feeling chilly and pretty. And I'm delighted to be here and I'm looking forward to spending the next hour with you discussing feng shui. Uh, last week, I wanted to touch base about what we shared on uh, last week's show. I shared with you the Chinese proverb that I have built my feng shui business upon. And as a reminder, I'd like to share it with you again. And it goes like this. If there is harmony in the house, there is order in the nation. If there is order in the nation, there will be peace in the world. The reason this proverb speaks to me so profoundly is because I firmly believe when we take care of ourselves through taking care of our homes and our surroundings, we can influence more peaceful interactions with each other. When our homes support us, shield us from the world, help build us up by allowing good night's sleep and rejuvenation and offering refuge from the elements, we strengthen our sense of well-being and we feel more pleasant and patient, which we can then pass on to those we interact with throughout the day, you know, even strangers, our loved ones, our family. And when we interact positively with loved ones, our coworkers, the love and the light we pass on to them helps lift them up and the effect can be exponential. In the episodes we have done to date, my guests and I have been speaking about a specific form of feng shui called BTB feng shui and how it applies in your home. And BTB is often called Western feng shui because it deviates from the original ancient form of feng shui in a way that is much simpler to implement and understand. As we've covered previously, Professor Lin Yun brought his wisdom and knowledge of feng shui to the West, saw how we in America live, and realized the challenges of applying those teachings in our modern American life. As a result, the BTB feng shui emerged, allowing for the benefits of feng shui to be obtained through more simplified methods, but also by using one's intention to strengthen the adjustment. And this proved to be beneficial to many, but not so pleasing to feng shui purists who felt that the cl classical tradition was really the only way to go. So today, we are going to spend this time looking at the classical uh, tradition of feng shui to help us understand the differences and the similarities between the two schools. And luckily, we have the perfect guest to help us navigate just that. Today, we welcome Candice Berlanga, a certified feng shui practitioner and a red ribbon professional with the International Feng Shui Guild. She is the host of the Learn Feng Shui podcast and hosts a local monthly radio show about feng shui. Candice's goal is to make feng shui understandable to us by looking at it in a practical and fun way by including topics like superstition, folk tales, and other esoteric topics. Candace is also an advocate for unity among different schools of thought in feng shui, which is particularly valuable when discussing feng shui from different approaches. She lives in West Texas with her family. I'm a little jealous about that because I'm thinking about what happens around December here in Western New York. Um, 
Candace, you have too many pets and you're an avid gardener and you're our guest today. And I thank you very much for being here and welcome. Oh, thank you for having me on. Um, and I'll, no, I'll enjoy talking to you today. <laughs> I, you know, I have, I really I have been looking forward to just picking your brain about some similarities, some differences. Yeah. I love the the superstitious avenue that we can go down and, and uh, folklore and whatnot. Um, so we can get started. You know, I guess, first of all, what we should explain to people is what's the difference between classical and BTB? Mm, okay. So um, BTB feng shui tends to look at um, uh, the home. You know, they kind of will grid it out into nine different sections and they kind of attribute it to, you know, maybe you have your life um about life, your your family wall or your creativity wall. Maybe you have, you know, your travel or helpful people sector, right? Or your wealth wall. Mm-hmm. Well, with classical feng shui, it's more about kind of the original um, kind of Chinese metaphysics view on it. And so it doesn't really attribute different life areas. And it's kind of more personalized to the person. Uh, we incorporate things like their natal chart and uh, stuff like that to connect the house um, to the person directly. And so it's a little more, I would say, um a little more, not necessarily detailed, because I feel like, you know, you can get very detailed with BTV yeah. feng shui. And so uh, not necessarily detailed, but more maybe nuanced, I suppose, nuanced. you know, where they, yeah, where yeah. they'll take a lot of information and kind of compile that to help you set your home, you know? Yeah. And then, so- of course, we do use, I'm sorry. No, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say we do use um, a compass direction and a low pan, which is the you know, the Chinese, the Chinese compass. Mm -hmm. So, um, would you say it's more scientific or is that not accurate? Okay. So that is more Mm -hmm. along the line. Okay. A little more precision. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And kind of more akin to like, you know, geomancy than, um, maybe more, you know, parting your, it definitely does still does the sectors and the guas, but Again, it doesn't attribute it necessarily to life areas. Now, there are some styles that uh, still take a compass direction, and they they do attribute life areas. So there's there's kind of all different styles. There's more than just two, I think. Uh huh. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. 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 See, mm-hmm. so we can open a Pandora's box with this whole thing. We sure could. Yeah. 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 But what we I want to I'm hoping that we can keep it so you know someone like me who, before I knew about feng shui mm-hmm. would be. Like not yeah. overwhelmed by the info. So yeah, when, sure. when you have classical and you have BTB, can you mix the two styles? You know, I, I say yes. I think you really can. Um, I know some people say don't. Um, I say don't do it if it causes confusion or if it's conflicting information. You know, go with what you know first. And so, for example, you know, if I'm setting my room, you know, say I'm I'm setting a room, the most important thing really in classical feng shui is bed position, which I think really in BTB it is too. You know, yeah. the command position goes first, you know, that, that yeah. kind of supersedes everything. And while feng shui can get into, um, or at least classical can get into different, again, formulas, kind of using that low pan, um, really that command position always takes precedent, right? And <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. So we did that commanding position. Yeah. We did touch on that in home offices last week about mm-hmm. the command position. And so yeah. we did have a, a discussion about your desk needing to be in the command position for optimization, yes. you know, optimal 
uh, benefit. So you're saying yeah. the same applies to beds as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think just that basis is, I mean, it's really similar. They say um, forms before formula, you know, and so we, even though there might be a specific, you know, way we want to position somebody's bed, those forms always will take precedence, you know, in classical feng shui and really in BTB too. So there's that similarity there. But then, you know, once you set the bed and you have it in the commanding position or you set the desk and you have it in the commanding position, you can come in and you can add, you know, um, what is, you know, the my space saying to me now, you know, do I need to put different colors in? Do I, you know, want to put different artwork in? Um, do I yeah. want to, you know, kind of look at my room do I want to you know find a wealth little wealth area and it's you know and so I definitely think you can you can kind of mix the two so you can set your forms set them in place and then definitely add whatever touches you want after that okay so you would set it up you would start with your command position mm-hmm. and then it's like you were saying about uh letting the room talk to you so it sounds like they're you're starting uh a system where natural progression kind of just takes over. It starts to feel right to put something here or, you know, place something over there. Um, but you're basically setting yourself up in the correct way when you start with the command position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's definitely a similarity between the two uh, traditions yeah. between the, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm curious. Um, I've heard about this cosmic trinity. Mm-hmm. And, and is that unique? First of all, what is it? And then is that unique to the classical tradition? You know, I think it kind of applies to all areas of Chinese metaphysics. So, I mean, we have feng shui, which is just, it's just part of that five arts of Chinese metaphysics. You know, we have Chinese medicine and we have um, astrology readings, you know, the, the life readings, we have divination. And then they have like the mountain, like even martial arts would fall into that. And so when you look at all these, these concepts, you know, the five elements and the yin and yang and everything, um, it, it spans across this whole entirety of Chinese metaphysics, you know? And so, so does the idea of the cosmic trinity and the cosmic trinity really, it's just, um, it's heaven, earth, and man is what it's, what it's called. And so it kind of just, you know, tells us that the heaven is these kind of things beyond our control, right? We're born with certain, a set of parents, you know, we can't, we can't change the way we're raised and brought up. And so that's kind of like a heavenly influence. We can't change our birthday. You know, we have Mm -hmm. our natal charts that are just, you know, I, I think predetermined, you know, and so kind of what we're born into and even where we're born, like we can't change what area of the world we're born in, you know, and so all these things kind of come into play, but then we have the, um, the man influence here. And that's really your choices, your actions and your personal energy. And then the yeah. earth really is the feng shui and in the environment that you are in uh, currently. So that's kind is of it- how I explain that. So the feng shui in the space you're in or the feng shui you create for the space you're in? Well, the feng shui is your environment, you know, it's, yeah. So yeah, it's just, yeah, literally your environment. Um, Again, kind of going back to that five arts, it falls into that category of physiognomy. So it's kind of like reading your palm and reading like a face, like face reading, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the study of the shape or appearance of something. And feng shui is literally just the study or the shape of the appearance of our space, you know? And so 
Yeah, it's it's just really relating to our environment. So, so in your in the classical tradition, then would can you the study of the space and the form would that be for each individual room or would it be for the the whole structure, the whole house? How, how does that work? Well, you kind of have your most important areas of the home, and uh, really with classical feng shui, and I mean, I I really think BTB is fairly similar. Where you do look outside, and you're saying like, is there five G towers in the way, or is mm-hmm. there, you know, um, a lot of accumulation of like, you know, maybe you have overgrown hedges or a lot of trash outside in one area of the yard. So really starting with um, not just your yard, but really even the macro, like where you are in relations to mountains and water. And there's even, you know, kind of kind of ways to tap into that. And so um, well, you know, lost, you bring, I really lost my train of thought, but <laughs> well, that's okay yeah. because you brought up something that sparked mm-hmm. something for me. And, and that is about looking outside and looking mm-hmm. around, you know, I think that people walk in their homes and I'm, I'm so big. Uh, I want everyone's home to be a sanctuary to them. Yeah, that really is yeah. what I am trying to build with my own clientele. It, mm-hmm. It's really um, emphasizing how important your surroundings are. Now there's books written about it all the time, but when you have the one-on-one interaction with your Mm -hmm. clients, then, you know, you, you really have their attention because they've reached out, Mm -hmm. but how many of us are paying attention to what's going on outside? You know, Mm -hmm. if a neighbor has overgrowth in their yard, you, Mm -hmm. you look out and you see that they don't trim their bushes maybe, or, um, their front, you can't see their front door, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, does that have an effect? And if it does have an effect, is there something you're supposed to do about it at your own place? You know, that kind of thing. That's true. Yeah. You know, um, (laughs) yeah. yeah. I know people like to put those bagua mirrors. I think that's more of a BTB, (laughs) but I know they'll like to put that kind of where that shawl area is, but really with classical feng shui, it's more about, you know, um, it's going to be the big ones, like the, um, the 5g towers, you know, and most, mostly it's, is it pointing towards your, your front door? You know, the front door really is one of the most important things. I think, um, you know, kind of in both schools, you know, it's where the energy comes in, it's where that life generating energy is supposed to come in. And so if you look out and there's, you know, a pole intersecting, you know, you look directly out and there's a Mm -hmm. tree growing or your door is blocked or, you know, stuff like that, that's really going to be a big clue into, uh, whether or not you're receiving like a good energy and there is ways to kind of adjust uh, adjust that too so yeah. do you use a lot of the adjustments that we're familiar with in btb like mirrors and flags mm-hmm. and nope so there's yeah. different ones yeah. okay mm-hmm. and, and you know not necessarily um i'm sorry go, uh, were you no please no okay. no i'm good go ahead um you know i use very minimal i think people are kind of um surprised, I think, when you practice classical feng shui and you tell them, like, I don't really use a lot of uh, items. So I, I use very minimal. Um, my go-to is like a bucket of water that you can place outside. That's <laughs> that's one of my go-tos, you know, it's uh, mm-hmm. something easy. I do the salt cures, but um, a very minimal amount. Okay. So you've mentioned salt cures, you've mentioned water. Um, Do you use other elements then in your adjustments for your clients? Um, so I do use, I'm, I'm a big, uh, so like, I guess, favor, um, natural items. So real plants, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
But sometimes if I, I want to cure an area, I'll put um, like metal weights out for the metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually real plants, uh, candles, real fire to activate. And even mm-hmm. a fan, like I use fans for activations in specific areas. Oh, so yeah, fans. Yeah. Of course, fish tanks, all the, all the yeah. things, you know. <laughs> yeah, the fish tanks though, like are we talking, you know, a, a bowl with a couple of goldfish or are we talking an aquarium? Or, or yeah. does it matter, you know? Um, some people don't have, I mean, they're just not interested in putting all that mechanical work in their house and, you know, um, a big two, what do you call it? Uh, uh, 10, 20, 30 gallon tank or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah. yet, and yet you want to introduce the water. So mm-hmm. like you say a bucket, what about a fountain, anything like that? Um, so Usually it would be a fish tank, a fan, a candle, or um, trying to think what else, something that has movement. You know, you see those little kind of chotsky looking things and they move Mm -hmm. around or whatever. Something that has movement. So the theory, I guess, in my school thought of feng shui is that, you know, um, I mean, one of the verses, the, the classic verses is that you know, chi is dispersed by the wind and gathers at the boundaries of water. And so for that reason, water is an excellent activator of energy. Um, But, you know, kind of just going along the school of thought also, we really agree that a a bigger amount of water should be used like a fish tank that maybe Mm -hmm. has a pump to circulate the water because it really does help hold that uh, chi or energy. But if you can't, you know, a lot of times I just have people use like fans or the little moving things. So yeah, and just like a little, a little tabletop fan. A little tabletop, and that would um, that does that represent water or just movement? Just movement, yeah, movement okay. in the area. It's a, yeah. what I call a feng shui activation. Yeah. Oh, I see. Well, I've never yeah. heard that before in uh, the years I've been practicing. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we still have so much to cover. I wanted to talk to you about apartments and. A little more about mirrors, and um, I'm hoping that we can get into some of those folklore and uh, yeah. the superstitious parts that people think that they know all about it. Um, so when we come back, we're we're going to be uh, breaking in a second, and then when we come back, maybe we can start start with that. Yep, sounds good. All right. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The Feng Shui Way to Peace, Balance, and Abundance with Catherine Dean is about bringing the benefits of Feng Shui to the forefront, allowing everyone with an interest to learn and understand how its principles can work in one's day-to-day life. We'll demystify Feng Shui, show its many applications, and allow the listener to understand how and why it is so useful. The goal is to educate, entertain, and spread the word about using Feng Shui Way to bring about peace, balance, and abundance to one's life. The Feng Shui Way with Catherine Dean, Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to The Feng Shui Way with Katherine Dean. Have a question for Katherine or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5787. That's 866-472-5787. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, so we're here with Candice Berlanga, and we're talking about classical feng shui. So if you have questions for Candice, please call us at 866 472 5787. She's here to take your question. Um, so I have a couple. What about Perfect. the Bagua? <laughs> yeah, the Bagua. We have the Bagua. We know about that in the BTB tradition. How is, uh, you know, how is that used in classical? And do we bring in family members like um, in different areas? Do you want to, you want to talk about that for a few? Yeah, for sure. So the the guas are associated with uh, family members. You know, if you look, there will be one that's labeled like oldest son or oldest daughter. Or, right. You know, we kind of wonder how that works anyway, because I kind of wondered, you know, that was one of the things I was like, I don't I don't understand that. And so that that actually kind of comes from the tradition of, you know, back in the ancient times when this system was kind of formed, they didn't have birth records. They didn't know necessarily even what year it was. And so, you know what I mean? They, they yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. so there wasn't a co- cohesive like you know System. thought on that yeah <laughs> and so um yeah when when they kind of started uh, uh with the feng shui uh, so that's one of the ways they would read it so they would say you know for example like the south is the oldest daughter you know and so that's just kind of how they would attribute it so mm-hmm. nowadays they actually use gua numbers. And so I know that's kind of one of the most popular st- like systems of feng shui is kind of that gua number um you know you take your birth date and you kind of do a little bit of numerology on it and you'll get a, a number one through nine, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, and it never goes yeah. over nine, right? It always, you know, mm-hmm. no higher than nine. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, cause there's only, there's the, I mean, there's eight guas, but the center, um, is the five. And so they don't, uh, consider the, the five, if that makes sense. So it'll either be a two or eight. And so the numbers will go, uh, one through nine with the five missing. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, and so each of the, the, the directions or the, uh, you know, kind of the sectors within your home are split off. Like the North is number one, you know, the Southwest is number two. And so they're all attributed to a number. And so you just look at your own Gua number and you kind of look at that area within your home and then you're like, okay, this is the area that I need to like keep clean or decluttered, or, you know, maybe I should spend time in it. I, you know, spend a little bit extra attention in it. And so now we kind of just attribute those guads to the gua number instead of uh, the, a family member, I suppose. So the gua number, your own personal gua number yes. so based on your birthday? 
Yes, it's based on the year you're born. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And then um, what if you have multiple members in the household? How does that work? Yeah, that is a good question. You know, I don't actually use the eight matching system a lot. I don't use it a whole lot. So, yeah. But um, so I might not be the best person to ask about this. But honestly, (laughs) I just because, well, this really applies to me and my kids and my husband, too. You know, me and uh, I think my two sons have, you know, work while eight. And so for us, that would be the Northeast, you know. And so I really just make sure I kind of keep the area clean, make sure we're actually using it and kind of putting energy into it, you know. And so I, to me, I just kind of associate it with all of us, but. So that's another way in which you can nurture your home that Mm -hmm. turns around and nurtures you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm all about that. Yes. I love that. Now, do you apply that same principle to an apartment? So you can. So with an apartment, you kind of get into, you know, do you use the way the building faces or do you use the way the door faces, right? And so, you know, it could be you know, multiple, multiple units inside, maybe all the units are outside, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's different systems uh, with classical feng shui that you can use to calculate out the energy of each individual unit. And so, I mean, we can kind of know, even though all the buildings are facing north, not every, or all the doors maybe in, in a unit are facing north, you know, not every single one of them is going to be, um, you know, a good feng shui build, you know, a, a room. And so there's different systems to kind of calculate that out. So that's what you would have to do. You would take your own uh, gua number and then see how it associates what with, with the position of your apartment. Is that what you need? Is that what you mean about that? Um, so with classical feng shui, there's so many different calculations and formulas you can kind of use to see, you know, if you're getting a good energy in a space, you know? And so we're kind of taking away that law number. We're taking that away. And that's just a whole different system. Um, I, I know, I'm sure you can use the eight mansions within a, a space, you know, within any space. But for me, I kind of learned that, you know, maybe even each floor is a different element, you know? And so there's a bunch of different calculations and a bunch of kind of different ways you can use to find the best unit for a person. So, so if you have that complex... Yeah. Well, I was going to say it does yeah. sound complex, but if you have these different methods of, of calculations, how do you choose which one you're going to use? Yeah, Is on a the, case by case. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, you know, do you mm-hmm. wait and see what your client is experiencing? And then, you know, based on that, you t- do you take a look at that gua area of their home or do you just take in the information and uh, can basically anticipate what you would see if you were actually there? Yeah, so it just kind of depends again. Um, usually the calculations are kind of made before a person would move in. So if a person came to me and they're like, I'm thinking about, you know, these three separate, three, three different units, you know, I would kind of look at each, each one of them and maybe make some different calculations and say, oh, okay, this one's the best for you, you know. Have you ever had a client come forward and say, I picked out this great apartment and I can't wait to move in because I love it. And then you get the information on it and you realize, but but your client or friend hasn't realized that they picked the wrong Mm -hmm. one. (laughs) Is that Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like people to contact me like while they're, while they're looking at a gentleman not that long ago. And he, he called me, he was like, I made an offer on a house. I was like, Ooh, but <laughs> you know, before, mm-hmm. cause before I saw it, you know, and I was like, well, you know, let me take a look, you know, he, cause he said that for him. So he, 
didn't really know much about feng shui. This is an awesome story, I think. So he didn't know a lot about feng shui. Um, he was just an old rancher. So I kind of mentioned before when we were just chatting prior mm-hmm. to recording that, you know, I live in like an area that has a lot of ranching communities around it. And mm-hmm. so the gentleman didn't know, he said anything really about feng shui. The only thing he had ever read was that the, the uh, Southeast is, you know, the prosperity sector, right? And yeah. yeah. And so, you know, kind of like the B2B. So, um, so for every house he had had for the last three houses, all he did was focus on the Southeast and improving the Southeast of his home and loving the Southeast of his home and, you know, making sure it was really nice. And he said that he, the Southeast of that home had a, a bathroom and he just, he had the gut feeling that it was not a good feng shui home, you know? And for me, the, yeah. with the classical feng shui, um, that that wasn't necessarily a deal breaker, right? So mm-hmm. I know that that with with that we can kind of you know do those fan activations. There's really specific areas that we could do that within the home that can activate, you know, uh, do what's it called the quote unquote wealth activation. And so for me, it wasn't the deal breaker. But I told him, let me look at the house, you know. And I think really, I just felt like his instinct was so right, you know. I felt like yeah. that's what he was connecting it to, that. I didn't know if it was right. And when I looked, there was some other um, things just kind of form wise, you know, where it sat on the, the lot and everything like that. And um, had a weird detached garage. There's just some things I really didn't love. And so, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to tell him, you know, but I told him, you know, he said he's waiting to see if the offer got accepted. You know, I told him, well, let me know. And then we'll make the adjustments inside the home. We'll mm-hmm. put in some things or, you know, do activations and stuff like that. And so um, I actually don't know if the offer got accepted on the home or not, because uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I talked to him. So maybe I need to <laughs> touch base. But yeah, for sure. He already had the offer made. And so really the best thing is to start out with really good in a good feng shui house, you know, the the environment. And then yeah. we're going to make the, any adjustments on the inside. But well, you know, yeah. that's a lot of people. Um, you know, they don't know anything about feng shui, you know, and this, this gentleman had, you know, the, the, he had the Southeast knowledge. He, so he mm-hmm. knew that much yeah. already, but then his, his instincts were speaking to him. I find that very yeah. fascinating. You know, yes. yeah. a lot of us really do ignore our instincts mm-hmm. and, you know, at our own peril, mm-hmm. because a lot of people are much more intuitive than they realize that they are. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know from my own practice that, and intuition plays a big role in a lot of what we do. But, um, you know, sometimes it's a done deal. And um, can you talk a little more about, you know, all is not lost? It, you know, if it, it might not be the best, but, um, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not awful. Yeah. And so, um, again, I, I was, you know, he, he said that, you know, the more he kind of sat with it, because I guess he spent like some hours in the house, he he let the realtor, you know, kind of let him in and he spent some time and he just kept thinking like he didn't, he wasn't sure, you know, and mm-hmm. again, you know, he had already made the offer. Um, and might I add that he did extremely well for himself. He told me that he, that's the only thing he knew. And he actually did very well. Like he, he was making some money there. Like he, he put a cash offer on that house. It wasn't, Oh wow! <laughs> I find yeah. it, you know what I mean. So yeah, um, so 
nurturing yeah. that Southeast um, yes, has worked for, for sure. him. Yeah, right? it worked yeah. for him. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And that's why I say I don't think there's a one size fits all too. <laughs> but yeah, there's always not lots. I think um, a lot of people do worry that they're like, oh, I don't want you to look at my house because maybe it's a bad feng shui house or whatever. But really, there is adjustments, you know, that can be quite simple. I think you know that too, even with classical oh, feng shui. Yeah. Some things can be as simple as, you know, we work kind of more with those, you know, um, you know, adjusting the things within the space. So maybe it's rearranging some furniture in a different way or adding some plants in to, you know, redirect the energy or putting a cabinet somewhere to kind of rearrange the flow of the space, but you can definitely change it. Yeah. All's not lost. Yeah, for sure. So is there really ever a thing called um, a bad feng shui house? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if you find that you you're the one who bought that house mm-hmm. and you want to turn around and sell it, are you are you uh unloading your problem onto someone else? Or might someone who's better suited to that house can you can you put that intention out there to, you know, let this house land where it, you know, with someone more compatible mm-hmm. to it? Is that is that something that is even feasible? You know, that's a good question. I, I've never even thought about like unloading a bad feng shui house. Yeah, maybe it's more of a short-term rental type thing that you want to do. <laughs> maybe, you know what I mean? Like a Airbnb it out or something because, yeah, you know, and it kind of depends too. Sometimes, again, we, as a classical practitioner, we put that natal chart in there. We're able to look at um, a, a bunch of different aspects. And when we compare that to a home, you can see this home might impact, you know, one person in that home more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of have those yearly energies that maybe there's going to be a bad yearly energy that's going to impact your home in a certain way. And that one person in there might be sick, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's not a thing or your finances really might be suffering or or something like that. So, so you would want to adjust for those, those things. Yeah, if you could. Um, and, you know, it blows my mind because sometimes I'll just think that's a horrible feng shui house. And you look at the people in there and they're just they're just living their life and they're going on good and they are oblivious to, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, that kind of makes us wonder why sometimes. I know, I feel like, you know, kind of going back to the heaven, earth and man, I do feel like, you know, when we have that, that inner strength, you know, mm-hmm. we, we have that, um, you know, we, you know, can do a lot of, you know, um, inner work and stuff like that. I feel like when you keep your energy up, maybe it, maybe it doesn't impact you as much, you know? Well, you know, one of the things I learned along the way from my various teachers is that Professor Lin Yun had said, if I understood this correctly, that even if, um, even if there is quote, bad feng shui, your own personal energy can Mm -hmm. override that. Mm -hmm. And, I think about the people who build houses, you know, it's their livelihood. It's an expression mm-hmm. of their artistic vision or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. And I find it hard to believe that there's really ever a bad feng shui house. And to me, the a lot of the point behind what we do as practitioners is take what we have and make mm-hmm. it the best it can be. Yeah. And so I like to think in terms of, you know, um, this is not ideal, but we can really make this yeah. work. However, I do know that certain land uh, configurations for for your yard or 
um, what's across the street, you know, if the, if the train is going right by every day, yeah. you know, yeah. if you ever saw my cousin Vinny, when he's trying to sleep yeah. and then the train goes by, <laughs> yeah. mean, you know, that's a problem. I don't know mm-hmm. how you could really, but if you don't notice that when you're looking at a place to live, then yeah. I guess, I mean, and if you notice it and it's not bothering you, then I guess that's really not an issue. But it's hard for me to believe that somebody could put their blood, sweat, and tears into building a home, building any structure, and then having it have like bad energy or bad, yeah. bad yeah. feng shui. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when you are dealing with an apartment, how, how what is the number one gua? Is it at the, is it in the north of the apartment or, or okay, mm-hmm. not the building? Yeah. It, yes, for sure. It'll always be north. Yeah, that's one thing about classical, like north is always north, you know, south, you know, and so it's honest, you know, it'll be oriented to the, the actual compass direction of the space. Okay, yeah. so it might not be the front door. So the mm-hmm. north could be like a big wall with mm-hmm. just pictures hanging on it and yeah. no windows or anything. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. And so, you you know, you said you're um, the, this man who was looking at that house, he said something about uh, there was a bathroom right in that gua, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, and that was the southeast. And mm-hmm. then I know that with Western BTB feng shui, um, you want to you want to enhance your bathroom. Mm-hmm. You want to mm-hmm. un not undo but counter the negative or the uh, yeah. draining energy of the toilet and the drains. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something he would do living in that house? Is it that kind of thing? Would you address it that yeah, way? Yeah, I yeah, I'd probably definitely. I would probably work. That's kind of one of those things where you're limited and you can't change the geography. So maybe that then you would enhance with like colors or uh, making sure it's really clean. And uh, I've um, been taught to keep a uh, like a little sea salt uh, on the toilet to absorb kind of those negative energies. And so that's one thing where I would probably go in and put like, like some cures in. You know. So can't be changed, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, that's kind of my point. You know, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't always change it and yeah. uh, you might love your home and it's, it's mm-hmm. and it's like 80% there, but then there's yeah. just something that's not quite right. And and you can just, I don't know, reach out to us. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. we have feng shui consultants all over the country and we're mm-hmm. here to help with those kinds of things. We want everyone's home to be loving and nurturing and, and comforting. So uh, I, I don't want to discourage anybody, but it's not a bad thing to think about what you're doing before you uh, sign on the dotted line. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little more with Candace Berlanga. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Did you know that the quality of our daily lives is directly influenced by the design of our built environment? Our homes, our work, the way we move, and where we play are all shaped by the design of our cities. This thought-provoking new show from architect, urban designer, and educator, Carrie Pennebod, examines the complex forces that shape the making of our physical world. Lively conversations with leading experts in a variety of fields engage some of the greatest challenges facing our cities today including climate change, affordable housing, embedded technologies, infrastructure design, architecture and the arts, urban policy, social mobility, and much, much more. Tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, so that together we can design a better world. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to the Feng Shui Way with Catherine Dean. Have a question for Catherine or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5787. That's 866-472-5787. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm here with Candice Berlanga, my guest who uh, practices classical feng shui. And during the break, Candice was telling me something very interesting about her husband's grandparents' home. Is that right? Yeah. So earlier you were kind of talking about, you know, the fact that, you know, you kind of, you put love into a home when you build it, right? And so we would think like, I mean, where does the negative energy come from, you know? Yeah. And so um, my husband, so his grandparents bought a home. It's it's like a legend here now where I live <laughs> because it's it's called the Woodrow Haunted Manor. So it's on a, a, a road called Woodrow Road, right? And okay. so, yeah, when they built this house, they built it in the early, uh, maybe to mid nineties and a beautiful home, uh, two story, you know, again, we kind of live outside uh, the city, you know, and, and outside the city limits, there's a bunch of ranching houses, all kinds of stuff, right? Big pieces of land. And so um, they bought a piece of land and they started building on it. Um, so I'll kind of preface it to say that I don't, I, the money that they used to build the house was actually from a settlement um, from from this one of the the city of Houston, I think um, their son drowned. Their their youngest son drowned. My husband's oh. uncle drowned, and so there was no signs posted. They won a suit against the city, and so I think even coming from a point of like that, the where the money came from, even mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. And so they had a lot of issues building the house. I mean, just kind of from the like the builder original builder had a heart attack, and so they delayed it for a long time. Like he recovered, but it was still like this delay, you know, mm-hmm. and. um you know, so in the house, it sat there for a long time. Um, you know, they lived in it. So my husband's other uncle one one day got into altercation with the sheriff. That's a whole long story. And he was actually, um, you know, oh. in, in front of the ho- the home. Oh. It ended with violence. with him, yeah, in violence. Okay, yeah, oh my and gosh. so obviously after that they they sold the home. You know, yeah. of course you don't want this home anymore, you know. Right. But after that, you know, it just it kind of had a history for like everyone that lived there, they felt uncomfortable there. My mm-hmm. sister knew the my sister actually knew the new owner that had purchased it. 
she had several like malpractice suits from her veterinary practice, just oh very strange. Gosh. Yeah. 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 And after that, it's like nobody could live there. They would buy it and it would just sat there. And now it's just sitting empty, broken windows, you know, all graffitied out, overgrown yard. Um, it just looks so terrible. I pass it every day taking my kid to school. <laughs> oh, wow. So, and so, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I just, you know, things happen on properties too, that we, we don't see, we don't know, you know, tragedies and all kinds of things can, I think can lend to a property having a negative energy attached to it. And even yeah, I, just sitting at, you know, sitting empty for too long sometimes can. Yeah. You know. That's, that's an interesting mm-hmm. story too, because I, I feel intuitively what you were saying mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. how they got the money for the house. There yeah. was, there had yeah. to have been such sadness and grief associated yeah. with that money. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all of that being unexpressed uh, mm-hmm. could yeah. translate into anger and mm-hmm. violence. Yeah. And it just could have been, mm-hmm. yeah, it just could have been hurting right from the beginning. And maybe it yeah. just represents a place of pain and at some point, though, I wonder if enough pain has been expressed and it's been released, yeah. if it'll be time for that house to be inhabited again and then yeah. used in the way in which it was intended. Yeah. Or or will it get struck by lightning and then it's just taken mm-hmm. care of, you know, in a more exponentially, well, in, in just a big way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate that you have to drive by the house every day too. Yeah, it's like it's it's and that's another thing that changed too, really. And again, kind of looking at the external environment, they built a bridge like an overpass, like right as you turn, you know, it was it's it was right on a major road. Mm-hmm. You know, the lot shape is a little strange, you know. And so uh, some things have, have kind of changed with the, you know, with the road the situation. It didn't used to be such a, a busy road, I suppose. And so, yeah, I mean, it just kind of makes you wonder, you know, what changes in a home that makes it, you know, like can yeah. make it yeah, yeah. Be, be a negative energy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah. that's why we encourage our, our guests that, or our clients and uh, people, this is exactly why we're putting the feng shui way out into, mm-hmm. you know, our surroundings. We want people to call and, you know, benefit from the knowledge because there's a lot there Mm-hmm. that can be very, very helpful. You know, I, I've seen it in my own life and I've seen the power of intention. I've seen many, I mean, all of us practitioners have many examples of how helpful it, it is to our clients and to our families. But um, uh, what I wanted to get to you though, or ask you about before we um, close for today. And by the way, folks, if, if anyone's got a question for Candace, especially about that last story, give us a call at 866-472-5787. But one thing that you do do in your teachings and in your knowledge sharing is talk about the uh, superstitions and the folklore associated with uh, feng shui. So Mm -hmm. where would you like to begin about that? Do you have a favorite story or favorite example? Well, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you don't even have to start with yeah. your favorite. You can just I mean, there's probably quite a few, isn't aren't there? Well, uh, yeah, so um I'll just kind of start by saying that a lot of people I think, you know, when we have the view of feng shui, like if somebody's just finding this, you know, program and they are very new to feng shui, 
maybe they associate feng shui with, you know, the little items like the, I'm trying to, I thought I have one behind me, like a money <laughs> toads or, you know, that's, that's kind of what you tend to think of, right. Is when mm-hmm. you walk in like a Thai restaurant and they have, you know, a bamboo up or something. Right. And so, right. um, you know, you don't, we don't have to use those things. You know, I think we all kind of agree. We can definitely supplement some of those things. You don't have to have the money toad. You could have some different things that represent money, you know? And so, um, that's kind of where I came in with the, you know, just the folklore and super traditions and stuff. Um, a lot of them originate from ancient traditions. Um, uh, the Chinese people are really big on the homonyms, which are words that sound like another word, you know? So yeah, for example, they don't like to, um, you know, you don't want to gift a, an Asian person a clock because I think it's a homonym for um, misfortune or something like that. And so there's there's a lot of uh, kind of things like that, that where the superstitions come from. And some of them, you know, may be valid. And some of them you're like, oh, that's where that came from. I don't need to, you know, uh, really worry about that. You know, it's some things that are kind of uh, more, um, uh, I guess, would pertain more to like an Asian culture if you have an Asian background. And so you know, there's, there's some things like that. So, yeah. So when people, um, when people contact you and and you're doing, um, you're doing a a consultation for them and you, you go to their home or something and you see the lucky cat or you see the toad or you see a dragon or, um, you know, the jade, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the ducks on the the little jade lily pad. Do you, do they ever ask you about that? Do they, um, or do they proudly display it and say, look what I've done. I put this here and I put that Mm -hmm. there. And then, so how do you, if it's not necessary, I, I mean, I would, I'm sure that you just let it go if it's, if it's not harming anything, but what kind of conversations do you have with people about that when they bring that up to you? Oh, so there's a lot of people that do like to, maybe they want to use a little tabletop fountain or something like that. So I encourage people to do that. You know, I I really do. Um, So if you've already put that there, if you like it there and you feel like it's bringing that intention into your home, then keep it there, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I usually don't like comment or talk about it or anything like that. You know, Um, I think where you can kind of get into like some harm with that is when you buy, I know that there's people that try to, you know, to sell very expensive like statues or, um, you know, I've, I've heard of people, you know, selling the, the low pan that you have to bury in your floor, you know, so there's all these kind of, oh. of things, you know, <laughs> that are not necessary, they're not necessary to do with feng shui, you know, and so that's kind of where you get into the trouble of, you know, um, using items. So if you like it and, you know, the Maniki Niko Kitty, you know, speaks to you. I, I like them too. I think they're cute, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you feel like it represents wealth in an area, then put it there. But if, you know, a feng shui person telling you that you need to buy an $8,000 statue of, you know, whatever, uh, that's not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Well, that is always good to know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, oh my gosh. You, you talked about losing your train of thought before and I just lost my train of thought. You know, I, I was curious about, um, well, I'll just go in a different direction here, but what you hear is, um, you know, one uh, one school of thought is you do it one way and another school of thought is that you do it another. And that mm-hmm. is, um, I the example I think of is plants in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Now, it was explained to me um, I, I've just heard, I've heard it all. I've heard, mm-hmm. yes. Go ahead. I've heard no, absolutely not. I've heard eh, 
if you want to, you can, mm-hmm. but, and you know, so what, what do you say about plants in the bedroom? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. So I, um, I've, I actually use plants in the bedroom for what's called like a peach blossom activation. And so usually if somebody is single, um, I will, you know, tell them to uh, kind of do my calculations, you know, mm-hmm. and I will have them go buy some sort of plant. I'll have them put it in a specific area. And um, once they find a partner, get married, whatever, they remove that plant, uh, you know, and there's a way to suppress that peach blossom energy. But so that's the way I've used plants in the bedroom. Um, I don't know that if you just have plants in the bedroom that it'll activate, you know what I'm saying? Like if you've just placed them there willy nilly, I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) You know, that's Mm -hmm. my thought on it too. And intuitively it does. I mean, I know that there's people out there who would just, I mean, absolutely no plants in the bedroom, but um, a lot of times people say they uh, exhibit or they give off uh, carbon dioxide, which, um, or no, wait a minute, they, something about what happens at night that mm-hmm. I think it is that, that it gives off, it, it's just not giving off the oxygen that you would normally get. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so therefore it's detrimental. But I look at a plant in a bedroom and I say, that looks pretty over there. That mm-hmm. That's a nice shot of green or, you yeah. know, that that's nice and lush looking and it goes with the decor. Um, somebody once explained to me that, no, oh, I think I read this, that, um, you know, what do campers do when they're sleeping outside? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. they're under the trees and all of this, you know. Yeah. Carbon dioxide apparently is given yeah. off or whatever. Um, so my my thought on it, it was just go with it. But um, yeah. you know, uh you could always overdo everything though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. if your bedroom <laughs> yeah. looks like a jungle, you know. Yeah. I've, that, seen, I've seen that in like not personally, but like, you know, internet pictures and stuff. I'm like, oh, that that's really a lot of that's a lot <laughs> plant energy. Yeah. Yeah, it's and a lot of plant. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to the haunted house thing earlier, one of the things I've learned is that, yeah, having too many plants and when they're overgrown and they're blocking sunlight and stuff and create too much energy and maybe you experience the spirits in the area. So we don't want too many plants in that bedroom, do we? <laughs> well, no, and we yeah. don't want we don't yeah. want too much yin of anything and we yeah. don't want too yeah. much yang of anything. And exactly. the balance is mm-hmm. always, I mean, that's always what I talk about is mm-hmm. peace, balance, and abundance. And balance yeah. to me is... Everybody knows when they're feeling unbalanced and um, mm-hmm. it's such an uncomfortable feeling and we really don't want to, we, we mm-hmm. just really don't want to go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you make a feng shui adjustment with your clientele, do you, uh, do you have to change it every year? Oh, so um, some of them, yes. So we do have some of those yearly energies that come in. Um, usually I'll set like, you know, the things that are kind of universal, like, you know, the stove, the bed, the desk, you know, the, the kind of the living room where you spend a lot of time, you know, those can kind of be set permanently, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have uh, the yearly energies and even monthly energies. It, I kind of do those sometimes, but this kind of depends on, on the monthly. But yeah, yearly, um, some of them do need to be changed. So. And then do you just keep in touch with your clients about that? Or is there some sort of formulation that you are, that you know of that that tells you, well, if it's this kind of adjustment, you have to change it next year or whatever. Is there- yeah. So they would just get rid of them and uh, do some, sometimes energies, you know, don't interact with the guan in a negative way, even though they might be considered negative, they just, you know, they're not going to impact the area a, a lot. So, yeah. 
But yeah, wow. I usually email them at the end of the year and I'm like, take it down in February, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. so, and you and you go by the Chinese mm-hmm. New Year. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Yeah. Well, Candace, this has been wonderful, very informative, um, very uh, entertaining too, when you think in terms of, um, you know, bathrooms, plants, things like that, but, you know, also with, with the house, with your mm-hmm. grandparents' house. But thank you so much for being here and thank you to all the listeners and um, we will see you next week on the Feng Shui Way. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to the Feng Shui Way with Catherine Dean. We hope today's episode has helped you understand the importance of Feng Shui in everyday life. Until we talk again, enjoy your week as you welcome in peace, balance, and abundance.